Today we'll conclude our three-part series on Theology of the Body. So I do record my homilies and I do uh, put them online so you can always catch up and review those. But I just want to, um, as we've been doing the past two weeks, is just ask for Mother Mary's intercession because this is a very dense teaching, but Mother Mary always makes things light for us that are just too heavy for us to carry. So if you please join me in praying a Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So just a little bit of a review. We've been going through the teaching of St. John Paul II on theology of the body. In week one, we looked at identity, what it means to be, have an identity in the Trinity. And then last week, we looked at what it means to be male and female. And this week, we're just going to briefly look at original unity. And that comes in the context of Genesis 2.18, which I'm sure you all have memorized, but I don't. I had to put it on my phone so I could memorize it. But in Genesis 2.18, we hear the words, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So a lot of us, when we hear the words helper, suitable for man, if we're in any, any sense of being a feminist, we think die, priest, die, 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 die. How dare you say that? But the original word for helper is also, in the New Testament, the same word for Holy Spirit. Okay? Consoler. The helper. And we know that Adam is alone, and he's looking for a helper or a partner. And the lens that you and I are, are called to use is, is the lens that we receive it in. So a lot of us, as we go through these teachings, there's a lot of stuff that's going to trigger us. And again, a trigger is something where you and I have an emotional response to something that God wants to heal. So as we go through God's original plan, through theology of the body, the teaching of John Paul II, you're going to be defensive at times. How dare you say that, Father? Or you might even be guarded, putting up defense mechanisms. But again, if you are triggered in any of these teachings, it's an invitation from the God who is love for you to seek healing and deliverance. To, to come to God's original intention for you. And as we said last week, Jesus loves you too much just to leave you where you are. Yes, Jesus loves you as you are, but he, le- he loves you too much just to let you suffer where you are or to even become complacent. And the truth of John Paul II's teaching is meant to actually shed a healing light, a healing balm, as we called it last week, upon all that is dark in your life or confusing or broken in your life. So original unity, before the fall, that is, points us to the original tension that God had for all eternity. It's meant to actually mirror the relationship of the Trinity which is the perfect self-giving love and unity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Adam and Eve are made in God's image and likeness. And we're called to this day to mirror that love. The Trinity is an image of perfect self-giving love that actually brings us in a deep abiding communion. So that means when God created man and woman from the beginning, it was to make a gift, a sincere gift of himself, as John Paul II teaches us. And our lens is looking at things before the fall, that is, before original sin. So we're trying to go back to what God originally planned for all eternity. 
So when God created the stars, he created the heavens, the earth, the oceans, the sky, the plants, and the animals, he said, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. He created you and I, mankind, male and female, he created them in his own image and likeness. But when we come to Genesis 2.18, something happens that should actually cause you and I to scratch our heads. For the first time in all of Scripture up to this point, it's the first time where God says it is not good. It is not good for man to be alone. One of John Paul II's main points today is that if we don't have relationship, then we will not become who we are created to be. Isolation, being apart from relationship with God, being apart from relationship with one another, or even our own community with other people, is not a part of God's original plan. For all eternity, God intended us to be in relationship. Last year, we talked about that principle that rules without relationship always leads rebellion, which is why so many Catholics leave the church because they all only been taught rules, 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 but they've never been taught the fact that no, God's original intention is for you to be in relationship with him. And ergo, if you experience that love and you accept that love daily and you go to confession, you never want to leave that relationship. So it makes it very simple to say, I got 10 rules for you to keep. They're very simple. Just do that and you'll be happy. John Paul II calls the Ten Commandments the Ten Gifts. But we know that through our experience of life, through our experiences that affect us deeply, sometimes for better and sometimes for worse. But maybe just ask yourself, have you ever had an experience in life where you just didn't want things to end? Maybe if you've been at, had a family meal and it was for like one time in a million, everyone was laughing and being joyful and not calling each other names, kicking and screaming. You're like, oh my gosh, could we just like take a, a picture of this and like never let it end? I can remember when I was on a mission trip and I went to Trin Trinidad and we were with, with people who had mental disabilities and we're, they're dancing and we're doing all this stuff and all the missionaries and myself that are on the mission trip, we're all like tears are coming down our eyes because we're experiencing heaven on earth. We're experiencing God's original plan and you can get little foretastes of that on earth. So you may, you may actually recall that you may have had times where your heart did not want things to end in the truest sense. And that is actually a foretaste of what God has planned and desired for you and for everyone here for all eternity. John Paul calls these echoes of God's original intention for original unity. And in those experiences of decommunion with other people, or even God, or even maybe been out in nature, and things just seem perfectly, there's an echo, of, again, of what God planned for all eternity. And this is where, as we spoke about in week one, that men and women are actually meant to be complementary towards each other. You, see, you can see that happening. Where one is weak, the other is strong, and they actually balance each other. They're not in competition like the modern feminists in the modern world call it to be. So that means where a man is strong and the woman is weak, Again, there's a balance. There's a unity. But unfortunately, due to the fall that is original sin, the lack of complementarity in being male and female, we see primarily that brokenness in the saddest reality that we see affecting our world today is the high amount of divorce. And actually, it wounds 
generations. And we're seeing that side effect to this day, largely due to the sexual revolution and what people call freedom. You can do whatever you want to do, a disordered freedom, that is. And it totally abandons God's original intention. And when you and I abandon God's original intention or we don't listen to it, you can see the culture going the way it is. And the side effects of that is we actually see in our world today a fear of original unity. Most people wouldn't use that language. We see a fear of original unity of what it means to be male and female. That is a deeper fear to enter into the ultimate covenant commitment of marriage. And because a lot of us, for the, from the brokenness we've seen in our experiences, our relationships in life, most of us have not ever experienced a moment of deep peace where we want to take that snapshot and say, Lord, please never let this end. Some of us have grown up in homes where there was just a lot of abuse, verbal or physical abuse. And so much of what hurts us or wounds us in, in us is, is relational. Just think about the, the language that you and I use to explain our experience of life. Have you ever noticed that everything is said in relational language? So I played college baseball. These are words I never said. You know, coach, I'm just not getting along with my baseball bat. My glove, something's wrong in my bat, my glove, and the, and the ball. Those things are just killing me. Or maybe you said, have you ever said, I'm not getting along with my phone. Our relationship is all screwed up. And if you have, uh, maybe come talk to me after Mass. Or maybe you said, like, I'm, I'm not really getting along with my toothbrush, you know. Toothpaste, toothbrush, just not, not really working out right now. That's because we don't have a relationship with these things. And, and some of us, when we try to, it leaves us feeling empty and isolated. In college, my sophomore year in college, I actually took a baseball to the face and it broke my nose because a teammate hit a ball and it took an extremely bad hop. I'm not that uncoordinated. But I didn't yell at the ball and complain. Bad ball, bad ball. How dare you hit me in the face? You know, I didn't tell the ball to go back into its cage and to stay away from me. And I'm sure if I did start doing that as I have just blood gushing down my face, my coach would have said, after you get your nose fixed, go please see a psychologist, right? However, I did begin to make it relational. We have this in us innately. I began to ask the question, God, why did you allow this to happen? Because I was struggling overcoming injuries and I was angry at God. And when we are wounded, we try to make sense out of it with relational language. But the good news is that God desires to bless us, to have us come to understanding. He does not desire to curse us. Actually, God never curses us. So after the fall, after the original sin, Adam and Eve actually cursed themselves. But it was God in his mercy and in his infinite goodness he provided fig leaves for them because they experienced shame for the first time. Or as one of my seminary professors said, God loved them so much he gave them little fur coats so they wouldn't have to expose their bodies and live in shame. So even in their first experience of shame, Adam and Eve, God blesses them with food and clothing. He still provides as he desires to provide for you and I when we are still experiencing 
our lives in sin. And all of our wounds, all of our brokenness, come when you and I begin to break away from God. That is, to choose to be in a state of mortal sin, to separate ourselves. So for example, for men, we typically become fixated and obsessed with power when we become powerless. And man will either use or misuse power to try to make up for his union with God. And it's been extremely destructive and humiliating to see how men have tried to dominate with power women through either verbal or sexual or emotional or physical abuse. And due to the fall, we now see men and women actually using one another for pleasure or love. Instead of being reconciled to God and towards one another, and to this God who infinitely loves you and I. So ask yourself right now, in your life, do other people exist for me to give to or to get from? In your life right now, do other people exist for me to give to or to get from? That is, to give life to, to give love to. And if you are honest and you are aware that right now, It's to get. That's an invitation that Jesus desires to heal something in you that's broken due to the consequences of original sin. And for women, when there's a break in their relationship with God, she actually begins to look to get from the man what God is meant to give. Due to original sin and today due to mortal sin, women end up typically seducing man into being used physically for her emotional needs. And man, on the receiving end of that, will use woman emotionally for his physical needs. We typically see this today through manipulation and the desire to control others because I don't want to be hurt again. Again, I put up those defense mechanisms. And this is clearly shown today in the gospel when Jesus says, you know, you know, that means you know this. That those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones make their authority felt over them, their power, right? And the power of manipulation was never and will never be in line with God's plan. So Jesus desires to bring every single person here actually back to Eden, back to the garden, always desiring to restore God's original plan is one of Jesus' major points throughout the Gospels. But he says to us, Jesus says, But it shall not be so among you. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Typically, a a manipulation and abuse and control happens due to brokenness or woundedness in our relationships. Typically within our family or the friends we've associated ourselves with. And that is why wounded men and women foster wounded marriages in families. Ergo, you get wounded children. And that is one of the reasons why when we have divorce rates in our country right now at 60 to 70 percent, you see this fear of committing to anything in our world today. Those who are involved in discipleship at the Newman Center know how difficult this is. You're seeing the side effects of the brokenness. 
And if major commitments are avoided due to fear, then you're going to see that affect the rest of society. Often it's extremely frustrating how many people, how people treat one another by ghosting them. Ghosting means, for example, I send like a text message to someone who I just saw, and I can see it on my phone that they saw the message, but they don't respond. There was a time in our world when actually your word meant something. And people would even shake hands on an agreement. But because we've become become so fascinated and weakened by technology, we don't even shake hands and look at people in the eye in the flesh. We just do it over the phone, and it, it doesn't work. There's power in actually giving somebody your word and shaking on it, because that's what men do. But due to original sin and even the lustful temptations on the internet, most men, I'm sure no one here, of course, right? But most men are just boys, because they can't hold commitments. And if they do hold commitments, our culture says, you don't belong. And that is why you can take this statement to the bank. This comes from Sister Miriam James. She just says that hurt people hurt people. That is, suffering that is not redeemed is transmitted. Brokenness begets brokenness. Woundedness begets begets woundedness. And everyone here is subject to these falls. You're You're not free from it due to the relationships we have been in with other people, and sometimes not to our choice because you don't get to choose your family that you're born into. But the good news is, every time we come to Mass, we say, well, what's the good news, Father? What's the good news, Jesus? The good news is that Jesus Christ is the divine physician, and he came to restore, he came to redeem, he came to heal. That is why healthy men and women who have been redeemed in healthy marriages or have seen healthy marriages They have healthy children. And that is what our world is in dire need of. But thankfully, Jesus is in the business of healing and restoring all that we say, no way, Jose. No way could God heal me. And if that's you today, it's not a mistake that you're here. That means that healed people heal people. That is whole people help others become whole again. That is why Jesus became fully human. He took on our flesh to redeem our flesh, to redeem humanity. And he can heal people, and he does heal people. And even if you doubt me right now, again, it's not a mistake that you're here. Maybe you are starting to see how brokenness has entered through your family's marriage or even your own marriage. That's also why we see how original sin entered through marriage, it means it's going to be restored through marriage. So that's why the importance of the holy family and the healing of the family comes through Mary and Joseph. Healing, redemption, Jesus came through a marriage. And if you are discerning a vocation to marriage, seek healing now. And if your marriage is on the verge of breaking or your family's marriage is on the verge of breaking or being divorced, seek healing now. Do not wait until you are engaged to seek healing. Don't bring brokenness into an engagement. It hurts so many other people and your future children. So the last thing is today. This might sound strange. I'm a bit of a strange weirdo. But I've never been healed by a baseball. 
I've never been healed by a baseball glove or a cell phone or a toothbrush. But I have been healed by people who were healed, who became whole in Christ Jesus. That is, in the relationship they had with me and in the community of believers. And one, one sign, or a couple signs that I was broken, this might be you today, is I would always say I'm sorry for everything. I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I could, also I could rarely ever say two words without apologizing for it or making some excuse. When someone would say, oh, nice car, and I would be like, ah, it's kind of a crapper, it just caused me problems. I could have just said, thank you. Out of my brokenness, it felt that nothing was ever good enough that is, subconsciously, I didn't have any awareness of it, subconsciously, I, I was aware that, that, that there was this like, deep ache in my heart that there must be more to life than what I was being given. There was something missing. And in that ache that all of us have in our relationships, there is a desire to belong to a group of people that which is called Community. And in that deep ache for relationship and community, Jesus meets you in all of our readings today. It was prophesied by Isaiah in chapter 53 that Jesus would suffer greatly to pay the price or ransom to bring you and I back into union with God. Even in your sin, Jesus loves you. Even in your sin, the Catholic Church loves you. He loves you, again, too much to leave you where you are. And he also loves those who are around you too much to leave them where they are. And as we heard in our second reading today from Hebrews, Jesus is able to sympathize with you. Not to judge you, but to sympathize with you in your weakness. So if you've experienced any form of abuse, I just want to say on behalf of the Catholic Church, my heart breaks for you. One of the main purposes of the Catholic Church and even our Newman Center is to offer healing and restoration for the broken. And that's where our gospel is the hinge today. In the 10th chapter of Mark, with deep humility and respect for everyone here, Jesus asked James and John, but he also asked you, what do you want me to do for you? Not, not for things, material things, not for grades or, or stuff, but in your relationships. Jesus asks you, eyeball to eyeball, heart to heart, what do you want me to do for you? What do you desire Jesus to heal or make whole in you? I'd just like to end by offering a blessing over you to ask Jesus to begin, or even to give you the grace to continue the journey of healing so that you can become aware of what's broken. And stop saying things like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, I'm good. If 60 to 70% of marriages are divorced, then how can any of us be fine or good? So I'd like to ask you just to, just to humbly bow your heads and if you want to open your hands and receive God's blessing so I can call upon God's blessing for you as I pray. 
Heavenly Father, please send forth your Holy Spirit upon every person gathered here right now and fill them with a spirit of hope. And Lord Jesus, please send forth your healing light to reveal to each person here what relationship or relationships you desire to hear and heal. And in the name of Jesus, and with the blood of Jesus, and through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and with the authority of my priesthood, I bind all evil spirits, curses, bonds, lies, and strongholds that oppress and harass everyone here right now. And in the most powerful and sacred name of Jesus, I bind all of these evil spirits and command them to go to the foot of the cross And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to break all curses and chains that weigh your children down. And I ask them to be replaced with a blessing. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.